Welcome back, all you great GGR Pirate Radio podcast listeners. My name is Mike Lunsford. Uh, with me today is uh, Steve Monick. Um, it's been hey a while. Guys. It's been a couple weeks now. Um, but what's great about this little uh, little hiatus that we took, Steve got settled into his new place in uh, in Pittsburgh uh, with the family. Um, but also, too, I don't know about you in, in Pittsburgh there, Steve, but here in Virginia, there is not a single sight of snow anywhere. Yeah, it finally kind of all died down. Uh, we got a little bit of rain, kind of washed it all away. There's a little bit of white here. I'm in the mountains just yeah. north of Pittsburgh. So there's a little bit of snow, but it's finally in the 50s, yeah. which for me is shorts weather. Exactly, yeah. Like it is, it is, the sun's out. Like Life seems to be rejuvenating. We're no longer in the throes of the deathly hallows of winter. <laughs> you hear uh, birds, that, that's always a good sign. <laughs> always, always, always a good sign. But not only that, too, this is, I know from conversations that this is one of your favorite times of the year, uh, the month of March, because of what happens in the month of March. Oh, yeah. Uh, being a big sports fan, just loving it all. But basketball's always been my number one. So the, the NCAA national tournament and all the hype and everything that goes around that drives me absolutely insane. I, I'm basically worthless for those two weeks. I just shut down and watch college hoops until my eyes bleed. <laughs> I'm not a huge college basketball fan by any stretch, but it, there's there's a certain like electricity, there's a certain magnetism um, that draws you into this if you're a sports fan in general. Even if you're not a big like sports fan, or, or college basketball fan in this case, because I'm a huge sports fan, but you just want to watch it anyways. You hear these like no-name schools that you've never heard of playing in these tournament games against other no-name teams you've never heard of, and one of them hitting a buzzer a buzzer beating basket to win their little minute conference you've never heard of to go on to the championship. And it's just this excitement that you normally don't get to see except for once a year when this happens. Exactly. All the, the talking heads, all the sports people, um, you know, during the regular college basketball season, there's definitely some good games, some games that are worthwhile to watch. Duke, North Carolina is always, you know, uh, something to stop and take, take notice of. Um, but something you're right about the tournament, everyone just kind of brings it all together Everyone gets hyped for it, and all of a sudden you're watching North Dakota State versus Northeastern, and all of a sudden you give a crap because you pick North Dakota State for your bracket, and yeah, Lord knows they're not going to win. You're going to win if they hit that buzzer beater. <laughs> I actually ended up I was I was driving home from work the other night, and uh, it was I want to say it was Manhattan College versus Iona mm-hmm. was on the radio, and like apparently like a fight had broken out, and I was like I was captivated. Yeah, I was listening to it and I was just like, I don't even know what's going on. I don't know any of these players. They're never going to be pros, but like, this is awesome. Like, I want. Why are they fighting about this game that, that nobody cares about? Like, it was it was compelling radio. And the other thing compared to a lot of sports, I mean, I love the NBA. I love the NHL, um, baseball. I mean, it's all great, but their playoffs are series. You you see the same teams play each other a number of times. There's also something to be said that this is a one and done bracket a tournament so every game is like a championship if you do not win this game then your season is over whereas a a game three uh in nhl or nba or something like that um well yeah we lost this game but we always got the next game to make it up and there isn't that kind of heightened um pressure for each and every victory yeah absolutely it's you either do it or yeah you either you either win or you don't and that's it and that's kind of what's exciting about this. But not only are we big sports fans here at GGR, as you guys have heard in the past, um, we're also big comic book fans too. 
how good would we really be? How great would our website really be if we didn't do what we're about to just talk about right now? And that's going to be our own little, uh, which we call the March Marvel vs. DC Madness Tournament. Uh, it's 64 combatants. Uh, we handpicked them. Uh, we slaved over our computers for a couple of days, coming up with the matchups, coming up with uh, the brackets. But yeah, we there are were, there were algorithms. Excited. There were were you know RPIs, just like regular oh, college yeah. basketball. It's an absolute science how this all got picked out. Yeah, most of it done by monkeys sitting at typewriters, mm-hmm. but still, nonetheless, exciting to watch the monkeys struggle to come up with the brackets. I mean, I was. I mean. Oh, not all monkeys got their English degree to go work on Shakespeare. Some went more into the science and mathematics field, and they help us with our picking of this bracket. Yeah, and they, and they did well. We, we rewarded them appropriately with many uh, many bananas, uh, as one would want uh, a monkey writer to be rewarded with. So uh, let's go over the tournament rules. Let's talk about how this is going to work, because, I mean, it's not like... We're not going to put Spider-Man versus um, Daredevil in a basketball game. One, because, I mean, who wants to see that? But two, I mean, Daredevil's blind. That's just mean. Yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan can make a free throw with his eyes closed, but that's about it. I don't see Daredevil being much better than that. Yeah, I mean, it would be funny for a little bit, and then it would just be cool, and then it would be funny again. Okay, so let's go over the tournament rules. Uh, Our tournament rules are going to go as follows, and actually we are going to post this on the website, which uh, let me give you that real quick. That's going to be greatgeekrefuge.com. You will be able to see the tournament rules. You'll actually be able to see the brackets as well, so you can follow along at home. Uh, You guys can do a pool if you really want to. Um, I wouldn't recommend it because this is um, not real. Um, (laughs) But anyways, um, so first rule, number one rule is all participants are allowed to use any weapons, magic, skills, gadgets, armor or other strategies to defeat their opponents. So essentially, no holds barred. This is, you know, whatever you got, you bring to the table. Yeah, um, number we, two. we didn't want to limit it to just your physical abilities because then people like Iron Man and Batman, for example, um, they're not useful without the things that they bring in with them. Superman would just clean house. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and technically, if you did Iron Man versus Batman... Um, Batman's a oh I guess skills yeah he's a ninja so he would have to just stand there I mean like what what else could he do like yeah battle of words like they just try and buy each other's companies exactly just hostile takeover after hostile takeover <laughs> um, rule number two is going to be via the use of the infinity gauntlet all participants will be restored to life and to their exact health they were when they entered this tournament so killing is allowed uh, likewise. Any changes to terrain, building, or any changes to the environment are strictly for this tournament and will be reversed at its conclusion. So again, the only rules are there are no rules, um, with the exception of rule number three, which is if the combatant dies, is incapacitated for a 10 count, is away from the fighting area during the match for more than one minute, or forfeits, they will lose the match. Yeah, so we wanted to make it so, I mean, there's some people that are going to be fighting in this tournament, um, very hard to kill. Um, almost godlike creatures, things like that. Uh, so we want to give everyone a fighting chance. So those are the ways you can actually lose your individual match. Okay. All right. So what we're going to do is, uh, in GGR fashion, as we like to do, we love to try to make things fun, a little bit interesting. Uh, we've got some play-in matches too, because it's hard to ha- narrow down the entire field of superheroes to only 64 combatants. So we did have some play-in matches, just like the uh, 
NCAA tournament has. So what we're going to do is we are going to go to our field reporters here. This is going to be uh, to GC Rodriguez, and we're going to go to uh, Pete Rogers, and they're going to give us a little insight on these play-in matches. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for the March Marvel and DC Madness Tournament. I am Pete Rogers, joined here, as always, with GC Rodriguez. GC, say something nice about yourself. I am just so excited to be here, Pete. I can't believe that this is actually happening. All those nights and all those nerd moments we had sitting in basements, uh, drawing things on graph paper have finally come true. It's every kid's dream when they're reading comic books, one Marvel, one DC, and boy, what would happen if these two fought each other. So uh, we're going to get to see that play out live here in front of us. Uh, the playing game round has concluded, so GC and myself, we're going to recap all the highlights, talk about what happened there. We're going to start in the OA division with the 16 versus 16 matchup. This one, Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern Corps versus John Stewart of the Green Lantern Corps. Now, when you see two Lanterns head-to-head, GC, what are your thoughts on that? How do you get an edge? You know, the first thing that I can think of is is uh, whoever would be willing to bring uh, that piece of yellow, that piece of uh, fear, so to speak, into the match is probably going to be the one with the uh, biggest advantage. But the problem with that is, is it then limits their power, too. So it's a real balancing act here. Uh, do you want to limit your powers to take out your other, uh, take your opponent out, or do you want to just... Uh, go for the gusto and maybe duke it out in hopes that your skill with the Green Lantern ring is a little bit better than theirs. And that's pretty much what we ended up seeing is is both combatants came in very balanced using a wide array of different Lantern constructs, kind of hitting each other with anvils and airplanes and things along those lines, different missiles. One thing neither combatant thought to bring, though, is their power battery. Both uh, <laughs> just brought their individual rings, and as you well know, those rings have a limited range, don't they? They absolutely do, Pete. They absolutely do. And you got to think, maybe they were a little too overconfident in this battle, not used to fighting other Green Lanterns, used to fighting other people without those powers. So they never thought that they would actually have to recharge. And to say the least, in the second half, when both these guys were waning in their powers and this turned into a slap fight, it was it was embarrassing. It was hard to watch. It really was. Agreed. And and I think we all kind of knew if it did get to that point, obviously John Stewart was going to be the one much bigger, tougher um, had a, a more rock-solid upbringing as far as having to, to kind of fend for himself there. So nothing against Hal Jordan, but the fact that it got to that physical kind of fight there, I didn't see Hal winning it, and he ended up, in fact, losing. As the kids like to say, uh, John Stewart's is from the streets. He's from Detroit, and uh, personally I'm taking a guy from Detroit than uh, the surfer boy from California any day. Absolutely. So he's going to move on to the next round, round 64. Unfortunately, he does have a tough matchup against the one seed, the Thing from the Fantastic Four. So we'll Ooh, that is going to be a tough one. Next. He's never encountered a, a rock monster before, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, traveling out there in his sector, he's seen a lot of things, but I don't think the Thing is one of them. Uh, the next match is same in the O division, the 12 versus 12, Venom versus Carnage. A lot of people weren't sure how this was going to go. Give us the breakdown on that one. You know, with Carnage and Venom... They're both of the uh, same symbiote. They're both of that uh, that symbiote that they uh, originally in the comic book Spider-Man ran into uh, during the Secret Wars as a replacement suit to his uh, damaged spider suit. The problem is, is uh, Venom being the original symbiote and Carnage being the offshoot. Carnage was taken over, uh, took over the insane uh, serial killer Cletus Cassidy. Well, that tends to make him a little bit mentally unbalanced. And Carnage went on a rant about who is better, uh, Venom or Carnage, in in this distracted state, Carnage managed to absorb the symbiote into himself, and then he ate Cletus Cassidy. So this is a really quick match. This did not go 
the full time. Uh, being that Cletus Cassidy had been consumed, he essentially forfeited the rest of this match. Yeah, you usually uh, think the playing games, sometimes they do go quickly there. It's not always the, the highest caliber of matchup, and when you get these two even seemingly even uh, opponents there, uh, Venom just pulls it right off of him. So that was an interesting one as well. <laughs> pulls it right off of him, so to speak. Just ripped <laughs> exactly. him right out of the, yeah, right out of the symbiote suit and consumed him. Ugh, it was it was a bloodbath. It was awful. Yeah. There's but still nothing the you don't expect that. from Venom, of course. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and then so same one, last one in the O division as far as the play-in games go with the 11 versus 11. This one, you, you imagine, couldn't be more even. Power Girl versus Supergirl. Now, Power Girl being an, an alternate universe version of Supergirl, you'd think they'd be even, but they weren't. That That's kind of what ended up happening there. Um, and Supergirl exploited one of those weaknesses, didn't she? Absolutely. She certainly did. Uh, she took advantage of being the the pure Kryptonian. Uh, in the sense that she has the ability to go beyond Earth's atmosphere and breathe. She actually grabbed Power Girl, uh, flew her into space, and then punched her in the abs so hard that she lost her breath. Well, Power Girl can't breathe in space, so she passed out. So that pretty much made it um, a pretty quick uh, count out on her part because Supergirl was able to come right back to the uh, the arena and wait there. Yeah, i got to tell you, Supergirl... Um... With all the array of powers that these Kryptonians have, and a lot of people think that the different Kryptonians are going to go pretty far into the tournament here, um, using the brain is one of the, the nice things here about this fight. Didn't just try to outmatch and outstrengthen Power Girl, but outsmarted her, and that, that was a nice uh, touch to see there. No, and, and Supergirl could have absolutely uh, just outsmarted her in many ways, as we all know that Power Girl is more um, substance than she is actual um, brain power. I was actually pretty surprised that Supergirl didn't use uh, one of Power Girl's more publicized uh, weaknesses, which is um, organic matter. So, I mean, Supergirl could have simply just picked up a stick and beaten <laughs> Power Girl over the head with it. But, you know, you gotta got to appreciate Supergirl's moxie and uh, want to take her into space and make her pass out. So good for Supergirl. Good to see the, uh, the old... Uh, Red, uh, the old red, blue, and yellow uh, Superman crest. I guess it's the Supergirl crest in this particular instance. Moving on to the next round. Agreed, agreed. And and then the last playing game. Now this one is another sixteen versus sixteen. So they have a tough matchup coming in. Whoever wins the round. But this is over the Atlantis division. This is Robin versus Nightwing. So I mean, we're talking Batman's proteges. It was uh, now. There's been a lot of Robins. This is the Damian wayne uh batman's actual, actual son, son. Uh, so yeah. he does bring in some some skills there and then nightwing his his first protege dick grayson uh what was yeah, your take on this matchup this one i gotta say was the most compelling of them all because when you have two people who have been trained so well but in different ways too um with damian wayne being the son of bruce wayne and talia al ghul there's a certain X factor involved with uh, with Damien, where you don't really know exactly what tactics he's going to use um, to his benefit. He's not restrained by that same almost like knightly presence, and no pun men, meant on that one that Nightwing <laughs> would have that he received from the training from Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and so I loved how that's what ended up uh, kind of solving the problem of how do I beat someone older and more experienced, Damien, uh, Damien using that that killer edge there. Um, he realized he couldn't beat Nightwing in a straight-on one-on-one fight, so he played on Nightwing's heartstrings. He tethered himself to Nightwing, lead himself over one of the uh, the buildings there in the actual city of Atlantis, and dared Nightwing to kill him. Nightwing couldn't do it, and so he ended up forfeiting the match. That was kind of a surprise for a lot of people because 
out of all the 16 seeds, a lot of people thought Nightwing was the only one who might have a chance against Captain America. Yeah, and you got to think, too, that when you have something like this happening, it's because it's in the family. It's You're, you're seeing somebody else from your family moving on um, to fight. It's not so much a loss as it is letting somebody who obviously has that desire, that fire, that passion to go on and fight. Because Nightwing's just just wasn't in this. You could tell. Exactly, exactly. So um, what we're going to do now, I uh, actually just got the, the word into the earpiece here. Uh, the round of 64 has just concluded, uh, so we're going to get the updates there. We're actually going to move back to the OA division. We just talked about Jon Stewart, uh, and he's going to go up against the thing. Tell us what happened there. Th- this was a kind of a weird final now that I'm reading here. What, what happened with this one? i got to say I did not see this one coming at all. Uh, Jon Stewart... Again, of the Green Lantern Corps, uh, many of you know the weakness that the Green Lanterns all share is their weakness to the um, color uh, color yellow as, as far as effectiveness goes against that color. So Mr. Stewart unfortunately had a long internal discussion over uh, whether the thing was actually orange or yellow to see if his ring would work. And while this was going on, the thing managed to punch uh, the Green Lantern right out, of the, uh, right out of the arena and just was gone for more than a minute. So unfortunately, I mean, didn't even get a chance to have any retaliation whatsoever. No defense. Uh, the thing moves on to the next round. It's just a shame because uh, you know he fought so hard to get to that position, and then just to kind of lose it mentally. I mean, it was his own hesitation that that cost him to lose the match. Which, um, if if I'm remembering correctly, I think the thing's actually a little more orange than yellow anyway. So just go for it, GL. I mean, what are you doing? Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, and John Stewart being the military man of man action, you're kind of surprised that he didn't. I think he got in his own head with this one. I think that he was trying to play smart and uh, instead of playing hard, and uh, <laughs> that cost him the long run. All right, who was the eight nine matchup there? Uh, the eight nine matchup is I gotta say, my, in my, my my pick of the week, I think this was the most compelling because you have two people who are so evenly matched, and that is going to be Deathstroke from the DC universe versus everybody's favorite chimichangi eating uh, assassin from the Marvel universe, and that is Deadpool. Hmm. And this one was just was lights out. This was such a great match. Went all the way down to the wire. Why don't you give us the recap on that one, Pete? Yeah, and I always love the 8-9 matchups in any of these types of tournaments, whether you're talking uh, sports combat like this, because it's a coin flip. The reason it's 8 versus 9, you know, take your pick. It's so even. So we got Slade Wilson with his swords and guns versus Wade Wilson versus his swords and guns. And you saw a lot of it, a lot of uh, bullets flying, a lot of, of sword combat, two masters of, of murder, essentially. The dividing line, though, and the, I think the point that was overlooked with Deadpool is his healing factor. Um, Deathstroke's a, a tough SOB, but he can't heal the way that, that Deadpool can. Um, there was literally a time where Deadpool got his left arm lopped right off, uh, was able to pick it up and essentially just reattach it like nothing happened. So I don't know how Deathstroke could have possibly come back from that. He ended up just working himself out, and Deadpool was easily a- uh, able to overtake him and, and finish the job. You know, and you, and you kind of see that originally um, Deadpool, they say, was originally based off a of Deathstroke, but to take something like that and find a way to improve the original, essentially make the uh, the new or the copy even better than the original, I mean, you can't beat that. 
Yeah, it, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I'm not sure how much flattery was going on in this fight, but uh, it was definitely a fun one to watch. No, um, to use it to use a pun, I think in this one, imitation was the sincerest form of splattery. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to have to be the, the the headline of the tournament here. Um, <laughs> going from a really interesting match because of the the combat and the fun of watching it, it's one that was interesting to watch because it's something we'd never seen before we had the number five seed against the 12 seed playing there that venom just won he was up against clayface uh one of batman's arch villains now there's always that 12-5 upset there yeah something weird happened here i wasn't 100 percent clear on what happened you, know, you can you illuminate that at all absolutely this ended up going into uh review uh the officials took a long look at this to determine who the actual winner was because both of the both clayface and venom have the ability to shapeshift or use their bodies to make various weapons and various constructs and things like that. And, and uh, the biggest wrong, though, the Venom, Sorry, go ahead. Venom came from the, the symbiote that Spider-Man had, and he pulled his powers. Venom actually has spider powers in addition to the, the goo and the stuff of the, the symbiote. Is that correct? Exactly. You, you, are, you are absolutely correct on that one. Yeah, His powers are going to be based off of what Spider-Man's are, so he has the ability to web, his ability to crawl. Um, when attached to a physical form, but this is what we're seeing here, is Venom went outside of the box and used a tactic that has never been used in the tournament before, uh, and he actually fused himself to Clayface, making wow. a whole new entity, and that would be Venom Face. Now, the problem was, is who actually ends up winning this match? Is it Clayface? Is it Venom? Is it neither? And that's what the ruling ended up being, is that neither of these competitors actually won. A whole new entity moved on, but ultimately that's all we need. We need one person or one thing to move on to the next round, and that would be, uh, as he is affectionately referred to himself, Venomface. Venomface. Okay, so they're saying as long as one existing entity walks away from the match, then that counts as the winner then. Exactly, yeah. It's not so much that you have to have one loser, you just have to have one combatant that mm-hmm. moves on, and technically they fused into one combatant. So, Wow, well there you go. And so, I can't say any of us really know a whole lot about what this Venom face is then capable of, so it's going to be an interesting matchup as he moves on during the tournament. How far do you think he can go? I mean, with, with an unlimited... Power supply. I mean, unless he runs into, as we know, with the uh, the symbiote suit, unless he runs into something that has the ability to make sonic waves or uh, create fire, uh, which the symbiote suit is weak to, then we could see Venomface potentially uh, cutting the nets down at the end of this tournament. Impressive. And, and then he would be going on to play the winner of the next match, which... Honestly, in my opinion, was one of the more um, mundane, one of the vanilla battles here. A four seed versus a 13. It's Gambit versus Catwoman. Um, Not a whole lot of of fireworks here in this one. No, this played out almost exactly like I thought it would. Um, When you compare someone from the DC universe like Catwoman, who is without superpowers, she's essentially just a master cat burglar. I want to say she's um, also... Uh, a gymnast or has those types of abilities where she's very light on her feet she's quick she can uh, has an excellent sense of balance those sorts of things and going up minimal training with weapons i believe she's pretty adept with like a whip uh, yes. but not i mean not by any means like ninja level nothing like that no and then when you put her up against somebody like gambit who gambit is uh well trained i mean he went to professor xavier's school for the uh, for the gifted 
Um, so he knows how to fight. But not only that, it, it's the mutant power that I think really ended up giving him the, the, the distinct advantage in here. Catwoman really never had a chance in this one at all. Because ultimately, Gambit's not his mutant power per se, but one of his uh, abilities that he has and one of his uh, charming factors uh, is his way with the ladies. It's the, it's the, it's the Acadian accent. Pete, I think uh, ladies <laughs> fall for the southern accent for the French mon cher sort of thing that he bl- brings to this. And Catwoman let down her defenses just long enough for Gambit to charge and stick a playing card into her belt, which subsequently detonated, uh, obliterating Catwoman. So you're saying the cards weren't the only thing that were was charged in that, that arena there, but the, oh. the atmosphere was a little charged as well. Oh, the puns, the ah. puns, the puns. <laughs> it wouldn't be a tournament without the puns. I mean, that's what we do here. You, you are correct, sir. So we're moving on uh, to the next round. Gambit winning uh, the 4 versus 13 versus Catwoman. Uh, we've got the head of the X-Men. That is Professor Charles Xavier. He is going up against one of our play-in combatants, and that is uh, Supergirl. Um, you actually got to see this one firsthand. Pete, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened with this one? Yeah, this one was interesting, too. Um, I mean, the, the Kryptonians there, obviously the, the Kryptonite is their, their weakness. They also have a weakness to magic. Now, Professor X, not so much. I mean, you wouldn't consider his ability magic, but it's definitely kind of a gray area. So it turned out Supergirl did seem to be pretty susceptible to his powers. Um, and so what he ended up doing, um, just using his uh, telepathy, his, his mental powers, wiped Supergirl's memory clean of the fact that she had powers at all. Um, seemed to make her believe that she was just a, a normal, ordinary uh, schoolgirl who attended his academy. Um, and he led her to believe that he was some kind of professor uh, teaching her a class on humility and, and trying to um, find peaceful solutions to things, and the only way to win the, the, the test was to forfeit, which she ended up doing. Um, at least he was nice enough. He, he let her know he would write a recommendation anywhere she needed to go, uh, <laughs> but I, I thought it was uh, interesting that one of the more, and I don't want to say feeble, but one of the more less physically powerful uh, combatants was able to take down one of these Kryptonians. So it was an interesting battle to watch. Not a lot of physical movement, but a lot of strategy in that one. Kind of like when you watch the Winter Olympics. A lot of movement, and then sometimes you watch curling. Uh, Not a lot of movement, but sometimes it's just as interesting. And with Professor Xavier, you got to appreciate that he very easily could have just completely shut down Supergirl's nervous system and made her a puddle of goo, knowing full well that she would be fully resurrected after the tournament. But the guy's a class act. The guy lives by his credo that he only wants to help, never wants to harm, and essentially made her what, for all we know, could be a very happy person, you know, going to... I think she got a a scholarship to Dartmouth, if I heard correctly. I, I know for a fact it was Ivy League. We'll have to get confirmation on whether it was Dartmouth or Cornell, but it was definitely one of those Ivy League schools. And, you know, she's going to fit right in whether it's the, the green or the red either way. Absolutely. And once she figures out that she's got those powers, I'm sure she'll easily make any of their sports teams that they have at that Ivy League school. Yeah, I hear they're looking for a new uh, Ford on their, their women's field hockey team, so she should fit in quite well there. Absolutely. Now we've got our next matchup here. This is the 3 versus the 14. This is uh, the, I want to say he's an alternate dimension version of one of the Kryptonians, and that would be he's the alternate version of, of, of Superman, and that is Bizarro, and that is Bizarro versus War Machine from the Marvel Universe, uh, War Machine being uh, Colonel Rhodes uh, inside one of the uh, commandeered uh, Iron Man suits uh, that has been upgraded with military weapon. Rip and rape. 
Correct. Yeah, now War Machine, I mean, he's more designed for straight-on combat. Iron Man has a lot of different utility in his suits. He can do a lot of different functions. War Machine is designed basically for destruction. Um, and then Bizarro, you, you're, you're spot on there. He's a backwards version of Superman, and his name could not more perfectly describe the way that this match went down. It was bizarre. Uh, War Machine, you know, trying every bullet, missile, everything in his arsenal, and it's just bouncing off Bizarro the same way it would off of Superman. Um, but Bizarro started acting very weird during the tournament. Um, he kind of thinks in everything backwards. He speaks backwards. And i got to give it to James Rhodes. I guess maybe it's the adrenaline, his, his training from being in the Army. It kicked in, and he started noticing things about his enemy. Notice he all thought backwards. Uh, so we see War Machine kind of start shutting it down, start acting really excited to lose the match because he was trying to trick Bizarro into thinking that's what the, the way to go was, tricks Bizarro into forfeiting, thinking the loser is going to advance because Bizarro just can't figure it out due to his kind of yeah. addled brain. And absolutely, it was a confusing match to watch. I mean, the, the best quote of the, uh, of the match is as Bizarro was leaving uh, the field to forfeit, saying, no, me loser, me loser, me moving on to next round, me loser, as War Machine simply crossed his arms and chuckled. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just uh, good luck to, to whoever ends up with Bizarro, whoever's responsible for taking care of him. His I just don't so know how you handle something like that. <laughs> Make sure he's leashed and put back in his cage for Bizarro. <laughs> yeah. Now, we do have one of the rare in the 7-10 matchup here on OA, one of the rare Marvel versus Marvel matchups in the first round. We had Mr. Fantastic, the Fantastic Four, versus Magneto's son, Quicksilver, who has speed-like powers very akin to the Flash. This one was pretty interesting, Mike. Give us the play-by-play the -play on that one. I think ultimately what we were seeing with this one is we knew that Mr. Fantastic, uh, one of the smartest men in the Marvel Universe, uh, and in that universe, just not just on Earth, but on on all planets, um, we knew that he was going to come in and he was going to have a strategy, and that he was going to bring a certain level of finding a way to win, no matter what. And Quicksilver, we knew he was fast, we knew that he was with ungodly speed, but ultimately, Mister Fantastic's ability to plan and ability to think outside of the box uh, gave him the victory in this one, uh, as Quicksilver was zipping all over the arena. Uh, trying to find a way to attack uh, Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic ex essentially expanded into a balloon and, and encased Quicksilver and then started to shrink all the way down, eventually suffocating Quicksilver. This was a pretty quick match. Um, ultimately, though, not to say that it was an easy match for Mr. Fantastic, but ultimately because Quicksilver moved so quickly, it was a very quick match indeed. Quick quick by necessity there. Um, yeah, you're right. Not, not a lot of analysis left on that one. It pretty much was what it was. And that's the same thing that can be said for the, the final match of the OA division there. Uh, Wonder Woman versus Daredevil. We, we really saw why Wonder Woman is the two seed here in this division. Absolutely, absolutely. This poor Daredevil. He just, he, yeah. you know, he, he... Can't catch a break. No, and he had such a great record, um, as you see in many of those NCAA tournaments, um, just came from a weak division and managed to rack up a lot of wins, got himself into the tournament, uh, but he came up against somebody that he was just overmatched against. And uh, Wonder Woman used her lasso of truth, and she found out that Daredevil was blind and that he has a radar sense. Well, she used that, and she threw it, uh, threw uh, Daredevil into a nearby body of water where his senses didn't work and just 
essentially got countered out. It was more than a minute before he was able to get out of the water. He actually had to fish him out after the match. It was pretty bad, but he was okay. He was okay. Thanks that's to what that. we like to hear. That's a, that's a tough break for old DD. So as a recap of the OA division, moving on to the next round, you're going to see The Thing versus Deadpool. The, that new creature, Venom Face, he's going to take on Gambit. Uh, you got Professor X, uh, matchup against War Machine, which is going to be an interesting one, and then Mr. Fantastic and Wonder Woman. So those are the round uh, ma- two matchups that we're going to see. Uh, we're going to move on over to the Wakanda division, Wakanda being that home country of the Black Panther, notorious for its uh, large stores of vibranium, makes it kind of a target in a very advanced civilization. One of the, the absolute quickest matches you will ever see, it was the one sixteen Superman versus Two-Face. Mike, give the, the basic five-second review of that one. This, this did not last long. Two-Face came in thinking that he was going to shock the world. Uh, Superman took all of five seconds to pick Two-Face up and hurl him into the sun, uh, instantly incinerating uh, the former district attorney Harvey Dent. But, I mean, honestly, I, I never liked Two-Face. Uh, likewise, and, I mean... If it basically weren't for the uh, that Infinity Gauntlet, he was going to be gone forever. But he'll be back in tip-top shape once we have a champion. Uh, yeah, when we move absolutely. on to, the again, that 8-9 matchup, I think those tend to be the most interesting because it's, again, flip a coin, they couldn't be more even. And especially with this one, Human Torch against Iceman of the X-Men. You got your fire and ice. How do you even begin to pick on something like that? Well, you know, and it was funny, too, because Iceman did um, what many expected him to do, a lot of overly showy moves and a lot of ice constructs and and things like that. And the Human Torch essentially just incinerated them all, and he melted ice and started to melt Iceman's actual body. Iceman gave up, essentially tapping out, uh, calling it quits before this got any uglier than it needed to be. At least he didn't dip into his arsenal of ice puns like a a certain other ice... uh character that we've seen in the past so that was uh, a cool thing of him to do oh cool i get it stay cool he it's told human torch to stay cool <laughs> um, bobby drake what did you learn yeah i mean always the 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 quipster of the x-men but i guess he he didn't have time to do it this time um when we move on to the 512 here again i mentioned that there's always always a 12 seed that upsets the five green arrow coming in as a five seed real hot a lot of people liked him um, very popular. Yeah, he's got that new TV show. Everybody loves him, yeah. Absolutely. People are going gaga over Green Arrow. But he met his green match here in this one in the Green Goblin. Um, for me, there obviously the difference was they both got their arsenals, uh, no pun intended there with his sidekick either. Uh, they have a lot of different weapons, attacks. Green Goblin can fly with his glider. Green Arrow cannot. And that ended up being the difference here in this one. Yeah, ultimately uh, the Green Arrow getting grappled uh, by the Green Goblin, and uh, the, he took him off the glider and took him off the edge of the building and dropped him to his death. It was it was sad to see, but ultimately, again, he will be back uh, to fight another day and to uh, have more great episodes on that new WB uh, series that, we're all been, uh, that we've all been watching. Check it out on, I believe it's Thursday, Wednesday nights, who knows, but the ladies love him. Um, so speaking of ladies, uh, we got another green lady here. This is the She-Hulk. She's the four seed coming in against someone no one thought has any chance. He shouldn't even be in the tournament. Killer Croc, the the, the villain that's always plaguing Batman. Um, what exactly happened, Mike? You actually, like I saw the other one, you got to see this one live. What happened here? I got to say, you, you want to root for Killer Croc. You hate to say it, 
But you want to root for this guy. He's the underdog. He's the ultimate underdog story. He had no shot in this match. He was going up against She-Hulk. And the She-Hulk, I mean, she's got the, the gamma-irradiated strength of, of what, 10, 10 regular men. And But not only that, she's also has her feminine wiles. Very attractive uh, superhero. Uh, in fact, she actually tried to use this to her advantage and didn't go the route that we all thought where she was going to have a knockdown, drag-out fist fight uh, with Killer Croc. She of being a lawyer, tends to use her um, her cunning more often and try to use her feminine mystique to seduce Killer Croc. Unfortunately, she did not factor in that Killer Croc is too stupid to realize that he was being seduced. So he threw a rock at her, knocked her unconscious. It, it was an easy 10 count, and he walked away from this. No one saw this one coming, and many a person, it was a, a silent arena as he was claimed the winner. I think this is a classic example of a a combatant looking ahead to the next match and overlooking their current one. I, I think that She-Hulk was more focused on taking on Green Goblin in the next round, overlooked that Killer Croc had any sort of ability or capacity whatsoever, um, and, and paid the ultimate price for it, unfortunately. Yeah, there is... Um... There is an interesting correlation to this, though. Uh, there has been recent evidence that's been uncovered that Killer Croc is actually an alumni of uh, Florida Gulf Coast University, the Cinderella story of uh, just a couple of years ago in the tournament. So, um, I mean, it's it's interesting to see them come back and do this again. So, way to go, you Florida Gulf Coast alumni. It's uh, it's too bad that the, uh, the Florida University Gators did not pick up Killer Croc as an alumni because he would make an absolute amazing mascot for them. Absolutely. Uh, but Florida Gulf Coast, maybe he can make a miracle run like they did just a few years ago. Um, moving on to the 6-11, this is a, a really, really powerhouse battle. I mean, these are teams, or, or players rather, that, that people expected to make, I mean, Elite Eight, Final Four kind of contention, and they actually got paired up in the very first round. Um, GC, we got Thor, we got Wolverine. How does something like this even happen? You, you know, you'd, you'd think that, like you said, you wouldn't see this until later on in the tournament, but uh, Wolverine had a down year this year, didn't hit the uh, the seeding as well as we had thought he would, ended up being an 11 seed going up against Thor. Well, we got have a pesky under. death during the uh, the regular season, you know, you actually die for the first time. Uh, it's tough for people to bounce back from that. Absolutely. I mean, and Wolverine is, is, is known to come back and bounce back pretty pretty uh, effectively in most cases. I mean, uh, as we all know, the Hulk at one point had ripped him in half, thrown his legs down one mountain and his body on the other. Um, so he gets around to recovering eventually because he does have that regenerative uh, factor, but that's actually what Thor used to his advantage and took Wolverine out in this match using his uh, his awesome might and power as the uh, Norse god of thunder, uh, using his uh, hammer Mjolnir to electrify Wolverine and shut his central nervous system down. Okay. We all were worried for a second that this might be the end of Wolverine, but then, of course, he has the regenerative factor. So there really is no ever uh, end to Wolverine, but it was more than 10 seconds before he was able to regenerate, so he was disqualified. Thor claiming the victory in this one. In, in fairly simple fashion, too, there wasn't much of a fight from Wolverine uh, that we were expecting. You hate that when it's it's very melodramatic kind of thing like that. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of impressed with Thor because a lot of times he's seen as a, a dunderhead, someone who's not necessarily as... as when, he, when he's standing around people like Tony Stark, who's an absolute genius, Mr. Fantastic, he just kind of gets left by the wayside. But that's a smart 
move on his part. You know, Wolverine, extremely tough, has the healing factor, but at the end of the day, he's susceptible to the damage. He just heals from it quickly. So smart on Thor um, to, to pull that off. Um, while we're talking lightning and thunder, this match had plenty of it. We got number three Shazam against Storm of the X-Men there at the 14 seed. And there were lots of sparks flying in this one. Almost as many as between Gambit and Catwoman. Absolutely, absolutely. And you saw Shazam um, ultimately taking a quick advantage over Storm. Uh, taking it to her, taking the fight directly to her, throwing her all over the place. He tries to use his Shazam lightning as a weapon, which... As she is able to control the weather, I mean Shazam really not thinking ahead before he uh, tried to really knock her out and give her that knockout punch. Uh, she redirects the lightning right towards him and refers him right back to his human form of Billy Batson. And then Storm uses her ice powers to freeze Billy, so he was unable to re- uh, yell Shazam again. Essentially, again um, knocking him incapacitated. So Storm moves on, um, and you just you saw it happen in this. You know Shazam tried to make a play, tried to try to knock out the. Uh, knock out the competition thinking that he was going to have an easy fight and underestimated his opponent. Yeah, and I think one of Shazam's greatest strengths, the fact that he's um, naive, pure, he's he's unencumbered because he has that mind of a child, in this case worked against him because he's not fighting against a villain, he's not fighting against someone evil, um, and, and he didn't have a great strategy. He had the kind of strategy a kid would come up with. I've blasted people before. I'll blast people again. And Storm just kind of outsmarted him in this one. Absolutely. Yeah, the experience uh, factor that Storm had, even though being the lower seed, was able to get her past Shazam uh, pretty easily. Now, this next matchup I know was your favorite so far. Um, and I know you uh, actually got a chance to watch this one in person. So I'm going to let you do the... Uh, the number seven, number ten matchup, and that's uh, Magneto, the master of magnetism, versus Juggernaut. Yeah, if you get a chance, guys, to see the replay on this one, to rewatch this match, if you DVR'd it, something like that, this is the one to keep. The seven Magneto uh, versus ten Juggernaut. Now, uh, Magneto, master of magnetism, and he used uh, the fact that he was in Wakanda to his uh, uh, preference there against Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Can, once he's moving, nothing can stop him. He builds up energy. It's unstoppable. However, Magneto, genius, pulls all the vibranium from around Wakanda. Now, that's a, a metal that they're responsible for. They have pools of it. It's what makes up Captain America's shield. Any energy that's added to it, the vibranium adds to its electric bonds that's between its molecules, makes the metal stronger. And so Magneto wrapped Juggernaut in this metal, and basically use Juggernaut's own energy against him. Turn the Vibranium into one of those unmovable objects. So you get unstoppable force meets unmovable object. That old adage, the more Juggernaut tried to escape, the tougher the Vibranium came. Took him way more than 10 seconds. He was unmovable, so the judges tapped him out. I gotta say, a lot of people thought there was an upset here. Juggernaut, I mean, one of the most physically imposing people um, being in the same bracket as Superman, a lot of people saw Supes versus Juggernaut, two heavyweights, uh, kind of like when Superman uh, died for a while there after fighting Doomsday, where they just punched each other to death, essentially. They saw that part two. Magneto blew that all away. Uh, what are your thoughts on Magneto, and how far can he go in this tournament? I think Magneto is going to go, as a seven seed, I, I think we may see him go all the way to the end. I don't see wow. anybody really being able to compete against him. I mean, if 
there's any sort of metal in the arena, any sort of metal on the person's weaponry or on their suit, I mean, he's going to have the advantage. I mean, not only that, his experience, he's been in many a battle, as we've seen. Um, I mean, he, he's taken submarines out of the water. He's uh, ripped entire football stadiums off of their foundations and, and, and wrapped them around um, the White House um, during his attack on... Um, the Sentinels, as they were being announced as the new form of defense. Magneto is the ultimate force to be reckoned with. I, I see him going very far in this tournament. And I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, just above him in the in the bracket there, you had Thor, you had Shazam, and you have Storm, all electricity users. And there's obviously that physics component where there's electricity and magnetism. They have that interplay. So it'll be interesting to see which one of those combatants can use that more to their advantage. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we've got our last matchup here in the uh, Wakanda division, and this is going to be uh, Iron Man Tony Stark going against the always imposing, always frightening uh, DC villain, um, famous from the Batman series, and that is going to be Mr. Freeze. And this, you know, it, it's interesting because I've made the correlation that Iron Man and Batman are essentially the other universe's counterparts for each other, Iron Man being the Marvel version of, uh, of Batman. And this played out very similar to a, uh, a story that, that I know you're a big fan of, and, and I'll go absolutely. ahead and let you tell this one. Yeah, absolutely. So early on, uh, Batman going up against Mr. Freeze. Um, Batman's trusty butler, Alfred, said the only way to get rid of a cold is with a, a hot bowl of chicken noodle soup. Um, apparently Iron Man had the, the similar kind of thing, maybe from his butler, Jarvis. They really are synonymous. So Every construct that Mr. Freeze made with his ice, Iron Man easily melted through with his lasers and then sprayed a hot soup-like liquid on Mr. Freeze's glass dome in front of his suit. Um, when something very hot and very cold touch on glass at the same time, you get that break in the glass. Uh, Mr. Freeze has to be contained in that suit or else he's, he's donezo. So uh, Mr. Freeze immediately forfeited it and, and needed to attend to his suit. Um, I guess in the battle of who had a better tech suit, Iron Man easily came on top on that one. Yeah, Iron Man often does win that who has the better tech uh, battle. So good for good for Tony Stark to move on to the next round. Uh, yeah, and then so that takes care of the Wakanda division. The recap for the next round, you're going to see Superman against Human Torch, the Green Goblin against Surprise Killer Croc, somehow making it out there. Uh, Thor versus Storm. Again, Storm, I guess, always going to be against someone with electricity. And then Magneto against Iron Man. So we'll see how those wrap up. Uh, the third of our four divisions was actually taking place in the city of Atlantis under the sea. Uh, you saw that combatants both have the ability to fight in the actual city portion or out in the waters of the ocean. So it was a very unique uh, a battlefield there. Um, but these next two definitely fought in the city, couldn't breathe underwater. You got Captain America versus Damian Wayne's Robin. Uh, pretty cut and dry there, wouldn't you say, GC? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Robin, as much as we would love to give him a shot in this, because he's, you know, he's a kid. You know, you're, you're scrappy, young, stalwart, uh, hoping that he's going to be able to some way find a way uh, to beat the, uh, the veteran uh, Captain America. No, not this time, unfortunately. Damien, you, you gave it your best, but you just couldn't hang with the master strategist and master um, combatant Captain America. As Captain America was able to deflect every single attack Robin threw at him, all the batarangs, um, and was just able to just take a simple 
shield shot to the head, knocked him unconscious, and that was going to be the end of the fight. You could see that Captain America felt bad about beating up a little kid um, to a certain degree. So he, he really wasn't overly flashy. He didn't make this vicious. It was just a simple thwack to the head, and he was done. Yeah, and, and you got to respect the, the, the captain for that. Now, I could see Robin maybe next year, maybe the year after, making it a much further push in the tournament for his age. The fact that he even won that first round was impressive. Um, Absolutely. Now, we've been going on and on about these eight and nine seeds, these amazing matchups, and you, you expected another one here with Jean Grey and her Phoenix Force against uh, the unstoppable Ultron. Um, that that android created by Hank Pym, but that's not how it turned out. And again, I feel bad for you, GC. We sent you to watch this one live, and you, you didn't get your money's worth, did you? No, you know. And the worst part about this is, is um, we had this being in the Atlantis division. Um, I have been told that the stadium in Atlantis has an amazing fish taco. Like that, you just have to get it. Like you cannot skip out on this. If you skip out, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, I went to go get a fish taco and while I was in line waiting for one of these amazing uh, culinary creations, um, Jean Grey used the Phoenix Force and created a Stargate and teleported Ultron to the other side of the universe. And by the time I came back, it was already at 59 and they, he had been counted out. I missed the entire thing trying to get this fish taco. It was delicious. I mean, am I going to say that I'm upset that I missed this? Yeah, but I mean, it was a pretty good fish taco, so... Yeah, it kind of sounds like you actually picked the better of the, the two options there because the, you blink and you miss the fight, but that fish taco, that's going to stay with you for a while. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, I just, I mean, I might have to see more matches in the Atlantic Division, I mean, just because of this. Like, it was it was that good. And, and well, looking ahead, seeing that, that Jean Grey and Phoenix against Captain America, we might have to make it up to you and send you to that one, GC, because, frankly, that one I think is going to be a pretty pretty staggeringly good one there. Yeah, um, I could see that one coming uh, coming down to a pretty good matchup. Yeah, now one, again, just like the the one we just talked about, I expected this next one to be a little more brutal, a little a little more long, but it, it ended very quickly with the 5 seed Doomsday against Doctor Strange, the 12 seed. Uh, no one expected Doctor Strange to do anything, but that wasn't the case, was it? No, absolutely not. You know, Doctor Strange, I mean, they, they see him, and I think this was his advantage, is they see him as just a... A wizard, and people see him as a, a skinny man with graying hair at his temples and his mustache and, and his silly, ridiculous collar that he has on his cape, and they're like, "Who is this guy?" But they forget that he is the Sorcerer Supreme. He is the most powerful magician on the face of the planet. And Doomsday, I think, in his ultimate rage and just ability to just destroy things with his physical imposingness, and um, ultimately being a genetically modified Kryptonian um, in his uh, original form is almost unkillable, is almost unbeatable. Well, that didn't matter to Doctor Strange as he was able to use um, his abilities to make himself intangible. So he was un invulnerable. Essentially, Doomsday was punching right through him. Uh, he opened a portal right in the middle of Doomsday, essentially splitting him in half. Wow. And he couldn't really compete anymore when there's only half of a body being that um, Doctor Strange set the top half of the body uh, to another dimension that we're still they are still looking for his other half and you really can't fight with just legs I'm kind of glad you didn't see that one right after eating your fish taco because it sounds pretty gruesome so it was, uh, you know being that doomsday is made mostly of rock um, again the genetic um, tampering that was done with him has made him almost nearly invulnerable it was the legs just kind of stopped moving eventually 
And, I mean, and Doctor Strange using his magical powers, I think he might have put an incantation on the crowd so that we did not see the blood and gore, like the days of yore when we were children and we used to play Mortal Kombat and there was the blood code. It was the same sort of thing. I guess after he decided to be the Sorcerer Supreme and stopped being a surgeon, that whole first do no harm thing is kind of right out the window because it seems like he did quite a bit of harm there to do. Oh no, it was it was do harm. It was definitely do harm, and do he did all that the harm possible, huh? All of the harm. <laughs> <laughs> um, one here that was uh, tough for me because these are two of my more favorite combatants out of the entire pool of sixty four. Um, DC's Flash, the, the the ultimate, the Scarlet Speedster against Colossus from the X Men, the, the the metal giant. There, um, I was kind of saddened to see this one the way it went, but no surprise there. If you went chalk, the four seed Flash did end up beating Colossus. Use that phase power; he can uh, he can basically jitter his 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 body so quickly he can phase between the atoms of solid matter and. That's true just for Colossus Metal as it is for anything else. Kind of stirred up his organs on the inside and Colossus fell right over dead. So I'm really glad that that uh, Infinity Gauntlet's going to come into play here at the end of the tournament. Yeah, you hated to see it happen. I mean, because Colossus is such a good guy, you know, such a such a class act. But, I mean, the Flash just, again, able to move with impunity with that speed. You just, you can't, you can't compete with that, unfortunately. No. So, and speaking of favorites here, let's talk about yours here. Number six, Cyclops, taking on, yes. again, from Marvel himself, Hawkeye. Always, always, has always been my favorite X-Man. That is uh, Scott Summers. In recent years, he has become quite the, uh, quite the villain, quite the, um, the, the flip of character. Normally used to him being the, uh, the good guy, being the uh, altruistic uh, Boy Scout-esque character, but no, in recent years he's become much more of a um, polarizing figure, actually working with Magneto, and still one of the most powerful mutants in the Marvel Universe, and Hawkeye just unfortunately just did not stand a chance in this one, um, with Cyclops' ability to shoot the optic blast, and essentially at an unending um, amount too, his eyes are actually apertures into another universe, so that energy that is coming out of there is unlimited, this unlimited energy supply that he has. And every single one of those arrows that he shot, that Hawkeye shot at Cyclops, Cyclops was able to disintegrate, and then he just lasered Hawkeye's bow in half. Hawkeye had no other defenses. His weapons were completely eliminated, and he surrendered uh, to Cyclops, uh, the leader of the X-Men. And I think there was a little bit of respect there, too, because Hawkeye knows um, how good of a strategist Cyclops really is, how good of a leader he is. So I think Hawkeye wanted to move on, but at the same time was not too upset in losing to the leader of the X-Men. Yeah, and it seems like we're seeing both with, with Cyclops and with Gambit, when one of these X-Men come up against uh, a, basically a normal human who's very skilled at what they do but don't have the powers, they just can't They just can't match up. Absolutely, no. And Cyclops is going to move on. Uh, we'll see how far he goes. I mean, I can see him moving pretty far because a lot of people don't take into consideration that not only does he have the optic blasts, but he's also an incredible... A martial artist, uh, knowing many different forms of martial arts. Again, a master uh, uh, stat, uh, strategist when it comes to uh, battle plan and stuff, as he's been doing this for years. And a lot of the bracketologists looking at the bottom half of the Atlantis division that he's in, it's actually one of the weakest cores there. I mean, the only person who really could ever pose a problem to him looking at it there uh, is most likely Lex Luthor with all the technology that he has. If he can come up with some kind of tech or strategy or something to negate Cyclops, but uh, until he gets to the championship of the Atlantis division, whoever comes out of that very, very strong top half, um, 
I don't see anyone really coming in, coming into play that could even stop him there. Um, yeah, I see good things coming from him going through this. Uh, through oh yeah, this especially the 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 way that this three versus fourteen. Uh, match broke down. This winner is going to play Cyclops. We had Black Panther against Apache Chief. Yeah, and with Apache Chief, uh, we're both big fans of Apache Chief. In fact, one of the first articles that was ever written on GGR was written by you, Mr. Pete Rogers, um, about Apache Chief getting a contract with the uh, Golden State Warriors uh, as their big man. Um, and Apache Chief showed some of that ability uh, against Black Panther. Uh, and he grows to the size of a building, and he kicks Black Panther uh, about a thousand feet away. Wow! And I mean, it doesn't matter how fast Black Panther is, or even if he has a ride back, it, it's going to be more than a minute before he gets back, or even ten seconds. Uh, so he was—it was a pretty quick count out on this one. Hey, like that? Forget the NBA. It sounds like he should be a place kicker for somebody in the NFL, or maybe somewhere <laughs> playing for for Manchester United for soccer, something like that. Yes, um, and that, bending it like Beckham uh, and scoring many a goal. I'm sure he could certainly do that. And you have to wonder that maybe if a Black Panther had been placed in the Wakanda division, maybe some sort of home field advantage would have helped here. But um, a lot of people thought he was overseeded as a three seed, um, and, and that ended up being the case with Apache Chief having the victory. Um, Absolutely. And even if he wasn't in the Wakanda division, he would have to find a way to defeat Magneto, which... As it sounds, it sounds like Magneto has more of the home field advantage with that massive pool of uh, vibranium that uh, carries. You're not kidding there. Uh, we had a really strange one here in the 7-10 matchup. You had Aquaman versus Namor. Now, we're talking the home field advantage. There's a very long argument at the beginning before either combatants started fighting about whose Atlantis this actually was. Absolutely, yeah, and that's... These are essentially, you're seeing mirror images of each other. These these guys have very similar powers. Um, and as they were continuing to argue over which Atlantis this was, whether it was Namor's or Aquaman's, Aquaman actually used his power um, of controlling sea life, and he called a swarm all over uh, himself, essentially concealing his location. Namor was not able to see him. Um, and then out of nowhere, struck Namor right in the chest with his trident, killing him. So it's after a long after a very boring start to this match, the the excitement and intensity picked up immediately, and this fight became a, a quick end. So it took a while to get there, but once it got there, it was certainly worth uh, worth the price of admission. Well, regardless of which Atlantis we're in, since Aquaman is moving on, I guess we can consider him with some home field advantage. So that might play into some things against our next winner. Um, two of the the L villains from the different place. We got Lex Luthor versus Loki. Um, Loki being a very very much fan favorite these days, but it didn't quite go his way, did it? GC? No, and I was very. I wouldn't say surprised. Um, you, you thought as a 15 seed that Loki would at least have a a chance that he was maybe underseeded a bit, and then you saw his tactic, a tactic that he's used on multiple occasions that we've seen work to his advantage, but Lex Luthor, if anything, is prepared. He's very prepared for his situation, and his battle suit was ready for this. Uh, Loki attempted to use his multiform technique, which, if you guys have seen the Avengers, that is how he tricked Thor into that cell that he was tricked into uh, that was then dropped off of the helicarrier. Um, Luthor used his battle suit, though, to detect which one of those was the real Loki, and, and he was pretending like he couldn't figure it out. Oh, which one of you is the real Loki? And then laser blasted him right in the face. So it's 
Loki, your your hubris uh, ultimately cost you uh, your your lack of faith and your lack of um, respect for humanity is what cost you in this one, buddy. You had a chance to do something great and you didn't. So um, enjoy your your uh, time recuperating in um, Asgard uh, as that laser wound heals. So and you have to imagine maybe maybe if if Loki's a 15 seed against any of the other two seats, which are Iron Man, Wonder Woman, and then Spider Man, which you have yet to talk about. Um, Lex Luthor's so ruthless. I mean, he's he's willing to just put that kind of death move on. Even if one of the other three were able to detect the real Loki, maybe they try something more honorable, like a fist fight, give Loki a chance. But because Luthor is just who he is, and he's going to win, he's going to put himself to the top like he does with his business, his political career, um, he, he just wasn't going to take any prisoners and just put Loki down. So a surprise ending there, but... Loki coming out of one of those more or less small conferences like Asgard there racked up a lot of easy wins, but you know wasn't anything for a match against one of the the, the true heavyweights there. Yeah, you can't really count all those wins against Frost. I mean, I think they should really all ten of those. It should have just been one win. It was one victory. I mean, it, <laughs> and it, it inflated stats absolutely. Exactly. Uh, the very last division, GC and I uh, have yet to go through here. The Gotham division. Um, and, and a lot of people were up in arms about this, the fact that, that Batman is the number one seed in the Gotham division. Now, the bracketologists don't look at where they're going to be. They rank them 1 to 64 and, and place them in a division. It just so happens that Batman ended up in the Gotham division. Um, but you can't say that it hurt him here, and he's definitely a heavy favorite. And he made quick worth uh, of Sabretooth, the 16th seed there, the, the X-Men villain in that matchup. Um, now, I wasn't 100% clear. I know he used some kind of vial. You're a little more familiar with Batman there, GC. What what technique did Batman use there? So what Batman ended up doing, and, and ultimately, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people felt that it was unfair that he was in the Gotham division. The one thing that Batman never does is he never takes anything lightly, ever. In fact, he might be a little too serious for just about anybody ever. But in this particular situation, he is always prepared. He's always ready to fight. And he actually had a vial of the neurotoxin that the villain, uh, that Batman is very familiar with, Scarecrow, uh, used this wow. fear um, toxin and sprayed it to confuse Sabretooth's senses, which Sabretooth has in senses, just like uh, his Weapon X counterpart, Wolverine. But he, he was confused. His senses got all mixed up. Uh, he started hallucinating. And Sabretooth uh, actually saw himself stabbing Batman, who then shapeshifts into Mystique, who Sabretooth is madlessly in love with. And Sabretooth collapsed in despair and forfeited the match. He no longer wanted to continue. Batman never actually having to do any physical work in this match whatsoever. Sabretooth hallucinating the entire thing. That's impressive, though, that Batman would, would know how to use that against Sabretooth. His senses being one of his strongest attributes. Uh, I think he's going to have to send uh, some kind of prize or something to... Uh, with, with Dr. Crane and, and whatever Arkham cell he's in at the moment, because he, he owes a lot to Scarecrow for that victory. Well, and I'm sure, too, that Batman will add um, credit to Scarecrow's um, canteen account or perhaps get him a pack of menthols so mm -hmm. that he could trade in Arkham Asylum for some sort of protection or maybe some other uh, affairs or trade. Um, perhaps he will trade them for a rock hammer so that he can sculpt himself some chess pieces. I'm not sure. I know that uh, Professor Crane does enjoy his uh, his free time. So, absolutely, and you know, 
Make sure you're always looking at the posters on his walls, though. He's very crafty that way, Mr. Dufresne. Uh, so the, is, the last the last eight nine matchup that we had, and again, this one could not be more even. Two of the absolute heavyweights from Marvel and DC. You have the eight seed Dark Side against the nine seed Apocalypse. So I mean, true devastating villains, some of the highest class villains that you'll see in Marvel versus DC. And this one went on for hours. Uh, absolute it hours. Did, yeah. And there's no time limit on the battles, just the ten count and the one minute if you're out of the out of the arena. So the actual fighting can go on forever. And if you made it through, who actually ended up winning there, G C this was I actually ended up taking a break for a good bit and left, uh, came back, and they were still doing the exact same thing they were doing uh, when I had left, just sizing each other up and giving long soliloquies of who was more powerful, who was ultimately going to rule the universe. Um, what we ended up seeing is that Apocalypse was able to inflict some pain into Darkseid, which is admirable, to wow. say the least, because Darkseid is practically immune to all damage, but ultimately Darkseid being essentially the... He's the angel of death, more or less, in the DC universe. He is the the god of death, if I remember correctly. Essentially, if uh, you were to look at uh, Earth's uh, mythology, he's essentially uh, Hades. And unable to be killed because he is the god of death, more or less, he actually is able to use his omega beams and disintegrate uh, Apocalypse. Uh, ultimately, essentially just saying, I'm tired of toying with you, this is over, and ending the match like that. But as, you know, being the god of death, he doesn't really have, time doesn't really bother him. He has no constraints. He doesn't have any uh, meetings or appointments that he has to be at, so. Yeah, God forbid you ever cut that guy off in traffic, because uh, I don't think you're making it to whatever meeting you were going to. Um, Absolutely. Not. Yeah, Apocalypse. Um, a lot of people were kind of glad that he was matched up against Darkseid, just for the sheer fact that they wouldn't have to go against him in the first round. Whether Apocalypse or Darkseid ended up winning that fight, one of them was going to lose the fight, which helps out a lot of fighters in this tournament. So if Batman can find a way to do away with Darkseid, two of the more powerful, omnipotent uh, uh, combatants will actually be eliminated leaving the door open for any number of, of opponents who would not have been able to beat them. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, now that Apocalypse is gone, I think a lot of the other people in the Gotham division are breathing a sigh of relief, but again, now, oh God, what, do I, what if I have to go against Darkseid? I think it's their next thought. So Exactly. Um, moving on to the 5 versus 12 here, I found this one kind of interesting because we had... Captain Marvel, Miss Carol, Carol Danvers, extremely powerful, one of the more uh, in, intense fighters as far as the, the physicality, uh, against someone who came prepared with essentially a couple of handguns in, in The Punisher. Um, how did Frank Castle end up pulling this off? Frank Castle is, as far as the Marvel Universe is concerned, is the one person that I think many people with superpowers are afraid of that doesn't actually have superpowers. I think that that is their main concern is that there's really, they don't know how to fight Frank Castle because again, he has no superpowers. He's just a man. And ultimately Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers took it as hard as she possibly could, took it to him as hard as she could in hopes that she was going to be able to uh, maybe finish this fight quickly. Kind of put him down before he got a chance to get going. Exactly, and she was unable to do that. Uh, Frank, being uh, trained in, uh, he was he was in special forces in the military. Um, he was an FBI agent, uh, and 
he was able to withstand her punishment, no pun intended, for uh-huh. quite a bit, and found his one gamma-irradiated bullet that he had. He had it in his pistol and was able to hit her right between the eyes, being the ultimate marksman that he has and put her down. Uh, he actually had that bullet specifically saved for the Hulk in the event that the Hulk ever turned against him, but in this case, it, it did its job against Captain Marvel. And, and I think a lot of people were shocked to see this, but as you mentioned earlier, like with Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor is ruthless. And that if Carol Danvers had gone in with that same killer instinct, she could have put the Punisher down. But again, she's she's a hero. She's not vicious. She's not ruthless. And she tried to give the Punisher that ultimate respect that he deserved, and the Punisher didn't really give her the same respect by capping her right between the eyes. Yeah, that's tough with Frank Castle trying to look at him like he's a, a reasonable person. Once he's kind of made up his mind, it doesn't matter what else gets said or done. He's going to do it, and he decided he was going to win that match. Um, recently, the Iwatu, the Watcher, was, was killed with one of those uh, gamma-radiated bullets. They, they're starting to find them all over there uh, as part of a storyline called Original Sin, so I'm surprised to see that Punisher was able to pick one up. Uh, but then again, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because he's always got some kind of trick up his sleeve. God, speaking about tricks up your sleeves, though, we got the Joker at number four. Absolutely. And then Invisible Woman from the Fantastic Four. In fact, all Fantastic Four, all four members made it into the tournament um, and all three have advanced. So, was the Invisible Woman able to to make it a, a a clean sweep for the Fantastic Four? Yeah, and you know, and we got to see what I thought was going to be Carol Danvers advancing. Like in watching this match, I didn't think there was going to be really much of a chance for the Joker to move on. And that's ultimately, I think, the Joker's biggest advantage is that people underestimate him, thinking he's just the clown prince of crime. Oh, he's funny. Look at him. You underestimate the Joker, though, and you end up being in the same state that Carol Danvers is right now, and that is um, laying on the ground, uh, cackling uh, incoherently as her nervous system begins to shut down. She actually deflected most of the Joker's bullets and his acid spray using her force fields, but the Joker released an airborne toxin um, that is his laughing gas that we've all seen many a times. Uh, it gives the Invisible Woman that infamous uh, rictus grin and drives her mad. Uh, she's a drooling, tackling mess right now. She's disqualified because she just could not continue. And thank God for that infinity gauntlet resetting everything back to normal because she is a mess right now. Yeah, it's a shame because the best looking of all of the Fantastic Four, the one that got turned into a cackling, melting mess, basically. We don't get to see her move on, which is a shame. Yeah. And the same, the same thing goes though. They have said on multiple occasions that Carol Dan or Carol Danvers, my apologies, that would be uh, Captain Sue, Marvel, right? Sue Storm. Um, but Sue Storm here uh, has the ability to create force fields, and they've said on multiple occasions that she can create a force field in someone's brain and essentially explode their head, to instantly killing them. She could have done this to the Joker, but she chose not to. She used her powers for defense in a tournament like this. Having that killer instinct again, you got to have find that way. To, to close the door, to finish the match, and she just couldn't do it. Right, and i got to wonder if moving on in the next round after uh, the combatants who had advanced to the round of 32 have been able to watch some of these other matches, the ones they weren't able to see while they were fighting, uh, some of these hero types are going to start to gain that killer edge, knowing that, look, there really are no repercussions, everything's going to get set back to normal, you know, maybe that's the only way to win. We got to make sure that we do advance and, and not let the, the the villains advance. So I wonder if we're going to see any more of that killer edge moving on. Absolutely, and I think that people like 
Cyclops, for instance. Cyclops is a perfect example where you've seen him be a superhero but also take that villain edge that he's going to have a huge advantage in here. Now, we're going to see him go very far in this tournament, as I had predicted before, I think because of that mindset that he carries, too. I, I 100% agree, and I have to apologize to our listeners here. Uh, the one thing, back to the Atlantis division, you brought up Cyclops. Uh, the rundown of the matchups for the third round of 32, we're going to see Captain America against Jean Grey. Doctor Strange is going to take on the Flash. That should be a fun one. Ooh, uh, you just mentioned Cyclops. One. He's got the surprise advance from Apache Chief to match up. And then Aquaman versus Lex Luthor in Atlantis. So that one could really go either way. Absolutely. Now this next one... Uh, let me just preface this um, before we go any further, uh, Mr. Rogers. I think that this one is by far the most controversial match that we've had so far, far. The fact that they even allowed um, our number six um, seated um, combatant in the Gotham um, bracket to even be involved in this tournament is is still to this. I think it's outrageous. I think it's unfair. I think that it gives him a huge advantage. I think it it, it you shouldn't be allowed to use performance enhancing uh, drugs. In a, in, a, in a contest like this, but the, the rules ultimately state that any of these things can be used. Um, just like we said at the beginning uh, when we were going over the rules when Mike and Steve were telling us that any weapons, magic skills, gadgets, armor, or other strategies to defeat your opponent, so they considered this to be a strategy or a gadget in this case, which I still think is completely unfair. Agreed. I mean, any any records, any strength that he has, anything that he does well in the tournament it's going to come with that asterisk now because he's pumping himself uh, full of those performance-enhancing chemicals. Um, a lot of people just didn't see it as, a, as a, a fair advantage. You know, actually, hold that thought. I'm actually getting something in my earpiece. I think you might be getting this too. Um, there has been a huge um, update in this. It looks like this match is actually over. Go ahead and tell us about what happened on this one, uh, Pete. Yeah, I just got the update and all the information we were talking about. We were talking about number six, Bane, the Batman villain. He's up against the, the X-Men Nightcrawler. Now, Bane has the ability, has that venom, that chemical we were just talking about, that, that kind of controversial additive. He can pump himself up to be almost as strong as any of the strongest fighters in the DC Universe. He can just keep adding that venom into his muscles. Nightcrawler, though, surprisingly enough, was onto his game. Uh, Nightcrawler has the ability to teleport, and he's a great swordsman. Taught himself to use swords after watching his swashbuckling heroes. Uh, teleported right behind Bane and cut the cord to his venom tubes. Oh, wow. So he wow. was able to take away Bane's really only advantage there, taking the, the chemicals out of play. Uh, Bane shriveled up to his normal size, and Nightcrawler really made quick work of him. Wow, that's and that's, you know... They had said on multiple, and like we were saying, I, I felt that it was an unfair advantage, but it turns out that Nightcrawler didn't even complain, didn't have a single issue with it, and found a way to fight and survive and move on to the next round by defeating Bane. So great job, Nightcrawler. Way to go, uh, Mr. Wagner. We we applaud you, sir, uh, for your upset of Bane. Well done there. And and, and I got to say, this is overall, I think this is good for the, the sport. Someone moving on working off their talent, not working off of any sort of uh, chemicals, any, any sort of additives make their game better. Uh, I think this is going to be a truer version of the tournament. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're going to get to see somebody who's got the right kind of strategy involved here and not an unfair advantage. You got it. Uh, now, you want to talk ruthless. We're talking some of these villains. They're not pulling any punches where some of the heroes might be. 
Number three, Doctor Doom, one of the most ruthless and relentless villains that there is. He went up against the X-Men Rogue. Now, as far as a 14 seed goes, Rogue probably had the best chance to win. What ended up happening there, GC? With this one, she just could not compete against Doctor Doom's capacity for violence and evil and winning at all costs. He... Dr. Doom has been known for his abilities with magic, but also with science, and we think we can't confirm, but we, we think that he stole technology from the Avenger uh, Ant-Man and was able oh. to shrink his body down to the size of, of an ant and actually crawled inside Rogue's sinus cavity and into her brain. Um, he was able to use the lasers that he has attached to his suit, and he was actually able to sever her brain from her body um, and then she actually, because sneezing is an involuntary response, she sneezed him out, and he regrew to his size to claim the victory. It was, nobody saw this coming at all. We figured this to be a, a, a grudge fest for quite some time. Unbelievable. And Dr. Doom walked away with the win. I mean, ultimately, he was the, the favorite to win this match, but at the same time, too. We didn't think we nobody saw this coming. You don't expect it in that in that fashion, that that ruthless fashion. And I gotta say, as as brutal as it is, kudos to Doctor Doom for being able to come up with that strategy and implement it in under sixty seconds. Because if he's invisible from the arena for that one minute, whether he's a universe away or, or minuscule in the microverse, basically, um, that that countdown started. So to get in there. Yeah take Rogue out, which I guess that's really the only way to do it when she has that and, and you know, super strength, the kind of impenetrable skin stolen from Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, just like Iron Man, just like Batman we we're talking about, he came prepared. Absolutely. And watching this match, watching Rogue sneeze, thinking no big deal, she's just sneezing, and then watching her body fall like a marionette whose strings had been cut was just it was shocking. The, the, Tough to the watch. arena the arena was in just in terror as they just watched. They were like, my God, what happened? And Dr. Doom regrew and essentially gave us one of his awesome evil monologues telling us exactly what he had done to defeat Rogue. At the same time, it was a little, it was amusing. There was a certain amount of it that was amusing, but it was still just a, a bit frightening. And that almost makes it home field advantage for Doom and an entire crowd of people who are A, terrified of him and B, in complete silence and in horror uh, that's basically the way he runs his country, Latveria. That turns Gotham almost into home field advantage for him, so I can actually see him moving on pretty far. Absolutely. Uh, for fans of WWF, old-school wrestling, old-school fights, this next match was the one for you. Seven, this the Incredible was, Hulk. This was the one, yes. We got number 10, Solomon Grundy. Two, two beasts who just literally just punched the heck out of each other, and it was just a hell of fun to watch. Um, did you get a chance to see this one, GC? Yeah, I caught this um, after the Doctor Doom and Rogue one. I, I needed a, a minute or two to just gather myself after watching such a horrible event. Um, splashed some cold water in my face and was like, "All right, I got to power through this. I got to watch the Hulk for Solomon Grundy." And this lived up to its its billing. This was such a great match. These two just duked it out from the starting bell all the way through. I missed the first round, but. The first round was, was pretty simple. It was just them feeling each other out and, and throwing blows. And what ended up happening was, is as the second round started, the Hulk was enraged that he had not won already. 
And as we know, as the Hulk gets angrier, his strength increases. And he hit Solomon Grundy so hard that he broke his neck. Grundy laid on the ground, and he has the ability to regenerate. As he was regenerating, he wasn't able to do it quick enough, and he was disqualified uh, after the 10 count. So it was it was a heck of a match, and just seeing the Hulk lay him out with that one punch was, was very, very, very impressive. As much as everyone loves upsets, surprising victories, things like that, sometimes you do want to see a match as build, and that seems to be the way that this one worked out. It was just... Two monsters bashing on each other until one couldn't bash anymore. And that's what you like to see sometimes. Like you said, a palate cleanser from the, the strategy Absolutely. and the, the darkness of the previous match. Absolutely. Now, I know you are a huge Spider-Man fan. I mean, I, I saw you wearing the, uh, the Spider-Man hoodie. Uh, you were waving Spider-Man banner earlier today. Um, I know you're not biased. I know you're just a big fan. So I'm going to let you tell all about this one because I know you were sitting front and center watching the Spider-Man Harley Quinn 2 vs. 15 matchup. And I will say, yes, to people who are fans of Spider-Man and are allowed to unbiasedly root for him, this is what you wanted to see. Um, Kind of a cupcake matchup in the first round. And knowing that you're going into a battle with the Hulk, you need all your strength, stamina, everything that you got. Spidey easily just webbed up Harley Quinn and left her there for the 10 count. Uh, A a victory that requires a 10-second count, and the whole match only took 12 seconds. So, I mean, just goes to show how much energy Spidey should save. This should really lead to a pretty nice heavy battle against the Hulk and Spidey in the next round. And you're going to have the the two opposing styles of fighting, too. You've got Spider-Man, who is the the fast, the, the... attack as often as possible, use your brain, find the right way to defeat the enemy, uh, find the smart way to defeat the enemy, and the Hulk, who is just a pure brute force. Yeah, out of all the combatants in the Gotham division, I think we have probably the smartest division. you got Spider-Man, Doctor Doom, Punisher, and Batman. Those four still remaining um, I think those four can strategize their way to victories uh, more so than, than the remaining field in all of the other divisions. If there are any fighters who are going to be able to find their opponent's weakness, if there's any fighter who is going to have the ability to surprise you with their, their actions, it's those four. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really with this one, I'm hoping that we're going to get a... Batman versus Spider-Man match. I think that that is something that everybody has wanted. I mean, ultimately, any comic book fan has wanted to see Batman versus Spider-Man because ultimately, when it comes down to DC, your faces of DC are either Superman or Batman. And Marvel is... I I think you could give it to the X-Men, but honestly, I think Spider-Man's the face of Marvel, and that's who you want to see. You want to see these two duking it out, and not because you want one to kill the other one, but because you want to see which one of them would be the best, which one could find the way to win. Exactly, and and looking at the, the national brackets that people have been filling out, looking at the percentages, a lot of people are projecting to go chalk. The number one seed, Batman, number two, Spidey. Uh, most people are picking Batman to move on since it is the Gotham division, but, yeah. I mean, it's 55% to 45 Batman to Spidey. So if that does hold true, uh, we should be up for a, a hell of a matchup. Um, speaking of matchups in Gotham, the, the last uh, round led to Batman. He's going to take on Darkseid. Um, other than maybe Spider-Man, that's the toughest fight he's going to have. 
Uh, yeah. The Punisher and Joker. You want to talk about brutality? There, there it is for you, folks. Uh, Nightcrawler against Doctor Doom. Don't really know what to make of that one. That that one should be interesting to watch. And then we just mentioned Hulk versus Spidey. Uh, so that kind of rounds out the the round. Uh, GC, give us your your final thoughts, your overall impression of the first round of, of fighting. It was it, it was better than to be expected. It, it, you couldn't have asked for a more exciting first round of this tournament. Cause this is the first time it's happened. I mean, other than Jean Claude Van Damme years ago uh, fighting in the Kumite, but even that was you know <laughs> nobody had superpowers in that one. I other think that than, this is, uh, unless you count uh, the superpower of extreme handsomeness, you're absolutely right. Well, there's uh, that, and then of course you know his ability to do that split kick that he does every single time. I mean, it's yeah, you don't see that sort of thing short of video games, and this is something that we're getting to witness firsthand. And getting to go to places you've never been. I've never been to Atlantis. I didn't even know you needed a passport to go to Atlantis. I I figured because it was underwater, it wasn't considered its own sovereign country, but apparently you have to get a cavity cert. It's not not enjoyable. But once I got there, all of that was worth it. Like I said, the fish tacos were fantastic. It was worth the trip. I mean, I'm still trying to get used to the pressure change down here, but I'm sure I'll I'll adapt and, and overcome. Absolutely. It makes more sense why Namor only wears that, that thong, kind of like when people wear slip-off shoes to get in and out of the airport. Must just make it easier to get in and out of Atlantis on a moment's notice. Um, <laughs> I, I personally got to say, uh, the, the people of Gotham, uh, there's a lot of talk about how dark and gloomy it is, how there's crime everywhere, uh, but kind of like uh, Sochi with the, the Winter Olympics, Gotham's cleaned it all up for all the the people coming in for the event. So it's it's been nothing but beautiful here with the matches that I've seen live. Um, I got to say I'm looking forward to the matches coming up um, for myself, Pete Rogers, and, and GC Rodriguez. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and throw it right back to Mike and Steve at the office. GC signing off. All right, guys, exciting stuff there. This has been an incredible start to this uh, this tournament. I, I never expected for Venom to congeal with Clayface into Venom face. I mean, like, what you, who could have seen that coming? That's that's nobody could have predicted that. that I is... know. I'm I'm so excited to see like uh, where some of these upsets are going to go to. I mean, freaking Killer Croc, Apache Chief. Uh, no one expected them to even make the tournament, let alone move on to the next round. So Lord knows where they're going to go. So I'm pretty excited to see just how the next round shakes out, if there can be even more upsets than we've already experienced. Yeah, and like GC was saying, I I think that what we're going to see here is the biggest victory we're going to see is if a superhero is willing to take that next step. Yeah, you're kind of down and dirty with it. Yeah, I mean, because that's a whole... That's a whole other level. I mean, like, think about it. Like, like Superman doesn't kill. I mean, unless it's Man of Steel, but that's different. Um, <laughs> but, like, the DC char- characters have that comic code to abide by. They don't kill. So are they going to be able to break that? I mean, is Cyclops going to have a huge advantage because he's already kind of become a jerk, in a sense, and, like, he started to take that twist towards the dark side, so to speak? I mean, are we going to see that because Magneto kind of falls in that weird gray area of superhero slash supervillain, is that going to give him a huge advantage over if he's fighting somebody who's a pure hero? Exactly. I think like the one of the more interesting matchups coming up is is Joker versus Punisher because they're both gun wielding maniacs. Yet one's yeah. clearly a bad guy, one's clearly a good guy. So when you're talking about 
the morals and who's going to take it to what place, who knows where that's going to go with those two. I mean, it could go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm really glad that, uh, that we decided to petition our superheroes to do this and that they were willing to do it. I mean, and, and you know, and kudos, he's not in the competition, but kudos to uh, Thanos for letting us use the Infinity Gauntlet to revive all of the uh, combatants after this. So. Exactly. And, and, and it's nice to know as well that all of the combatants uh, get paid a small stipend to be a participant in the tournament. Charity money is being given to the charity of their choice. Uh, some of the villains had to have the charity chosen for them because... Uh, clearly some of them were shell corporations they invented to make death rays and things like that, but we got that all sorted out. So all the, the, the money and everything, the donations are all going to a good place as far as different, uh, you know, Children's Hospital of Gotham and Stop Polluting Near Atlantis, those kind of uh, uh, exactly. charities. So it's yeah. really nice to see that all of this fighting and carnage is going for a good cause. I did, I did find it humorous that the Joker chose the human fund from Seinfeld lore and that nobody got it at first. And then it took him a while and then they realized that it was just a joke. But again, he's the Joker. Of course he's going to make jokes. So I hope he's one of those athletes that after he's uh, uh, done fighting, he decides to sit behind the ana uh, analyst chair. Cause I think he's got a sense of humor that would really make for some high ratings. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think this is going to do it for us today. Uh, we've got more matchups coming up here real, real soon, but signing off. For GGR Pirate Radio, my name is Mike Lunsford. Hey, I'm Steve Monica, guys. Thanks for joining us, and uh, take it easy.